We live in challenging times, but design industries, from fashion and food through to tech, beauty and interiors, have shown themselves at their resilient best over the past few years. Now, as we look to the future, this podcast explores how all creators can adapt to changing expectations and create better futures for both their businesses and their consumers. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN. You're listening to Create Tomorrow, WGSN podcast. Dust off your glitter balls and get your champagne flutes out. 2022 is just around the corner. In what has been another year of ups and downs, we're only days away from wrapping it all up and looking forward to the clean slate of a brand new year. At WGSN, that means nailing down the key trends for the coming year and ensuring you're set for a super successful 2022. So what can you expect to see trending next year? This week, I'm joined by Andre Bell, WGSN's Director of Insight, and our Creative Director, Lisa White, to talk through the team's most significant trend predictions for the coming year. So without further ado, let's start the conversation. Now, if you are a WGSN partner or you've utilised this in the past, you'll know we spend a lot of our time forecasting two years and even further into the future. But every year, without fail, we shine a spotlight on the trends that we think are going to be big in the following 12 months. Now, this requires many great minds across the WGSN business as we look across all the different industries we serve. And two of those minds uh, are joining me to discuss some of those key trends that we believe will have a big impact across multiple countries uh, and multiple different industries. So let's start. Let's start and talk about money, Andrea. So one of the topics uh, that's on our list, one of our key trends uh, is around crypto rewards. So we're not talking about cryptocurrency. Everybody knows about that. That's, you know, been there, got the T-shirt and maybe, you know, made or lost a little bit of money. Talk to me a bit about crypto rewards and why is this important that, you know, brands really need to be thinking about it if they're grappling with that kind of retail space and customer loyalty as well? It's uh, again with the crypto rewards. I feel like this could be a whole other podcast. But what's fascinating about crypto rewards and why they're kind of coming in really strong for the Western market. I mean, it's something we discussed at WGSN in the East. It's they've been there for for years, but it's really bridging those gaps to those new loyalty systems. The win for retailers and brands, which I find fascinating, is the more effective data analytics. And we know data is the the big drive, the big thing fueling digital commerce. But some interesting players have entered the field. You know, MasterCard announced they're actually integrating crypto rewards into your loyalty system. So what that means in layman's terms, essentially, you can earn those crypto rewards that you can then spend in NFTs and your digital wallet and, of course, the metaverse, which we can not shy away from. But beyond the kind of credit card solutions or the the finance solutions, some interesting e-com players are joining it. So my personal favorite is Lolly. And it's an e-com shopping platform that gives me 30% cash back, not crypto rewards, for everything I spend with shopping. So again, it's kind of a double bubble loyalty program. And I think the really interesting thing that we are obsessing about on Insight, Consumer Tech, kind of all the platforms, is the driver of the digital wallet. And that's where crypto rewards comes in phenomenally strong. So digital wallets, they're external, they're customer-facing, You can kind of signal a collection, but it's really important for forecasters. And what we do every day is it's connecting you to a a community, but also it broadcasts your trends. So for trend forecasters like ourselves, we're so ingrained in digital wallets right now. 
So you mentioned the metaverse. Now, uh, just to put everyone's minds at rest, we're not putting the metaverse as a key trend for 2022. That's here. You know, it's it's part of our kind of, you know, vernacular already. But there are a number of the trends that we have identified that kind of are fed by the metaverse or we're going to feed into it. Andrew, do you just want to touch on a couple of those? Yes. Again, metaverse, whole other session. I feel like it's all we're talking about every client meeting. But what we're really seeing is, is the meta economy coming into play strong for 2022. And this is truly the integration of brands, designers, virtual worlds, selling and creating those NFTs, but also looking at the NFTs and a digital platform. So the biggest one we're tracking is obviously Nike filed a patent for Crypto Kicks, which is an NFT sneaker but it also unlocks a physical sneaker. So the idea being you're driving footfall in store, kind of getting this exclusive reward, but you're also maintaining that metaverse, building it, getting that data. One of the questions I think we get asked a lot, and I know Carla and Lisa, you guys have been asked this, I feel like every meeting the past month, but how do food and beverage brands play in the metaverse? What does that look like? You know, we've nailed it with interiors. We're still there with digital fashion, you know, I would say the best example is an NFT example. So it's not necessarily building a food metaverse, although you can meet in a virtual coffee space, but even some fun ones like Pizza Hut's pixelated NFT pizza sold out like crazy. Who knew a pizza that was pixelated would drive loyalty? And you know what? I I guess I need to eat more pizza because I was not on that trend. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I use my little focus group at home, which is three three step boys. Um, and, you know, this, this is just part of their language at the moment. This is not new stuff. And any brand that wants to be targeting that younger consumer needs to wrap their head around it. And that's not just about the products. That's also the people you have within your business as well. We are advising that multiple different brands sitting in fashion, beauty, food and drink, where are the gamers in your organization? You need to be hiring gamers at the moment because they know this stuff. It's it's completely just part of their day to day and it's going to become part of the day to day for you know multiple different generations and if you want to sell to consumers whether that's virtually or, or actual physical product uh, you need to understand this better now we've started in this virtual world um you did mention that does mean we might actually still be you know getting a hold of physical uh, objects but what that does create, there's always this kind of yin and yang, the kind of flip and flop here. Lisa, talk a little bit about why senses are still going to be important. We still want to touch things. We still want to feel things uh, in real life. Which are the key trends that we've identified here that are super important? Well, I mean, there's a couple of them because, you know, what's really important for our senses is the fact that, you know, we have been um, kind of deprived in some ways of them. You know, we've been behind screens all the time. So we're really seeing in a bunch of areas the importance of tactility. And I know in tech, we've been talking about soft tactility, which has been so key. And it's really looking at silicon type textures um, and also things that you can almost um, feel with your eyes, you know, even when they're on screens. And that's been so, 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 so key. And we've been seeing that coming into the interiors universe as well. And it's something that we're calling digital cozy. And it really kind of came with the idea of the ambient rooms that we were seeing a lot of during during lockdown, where people were just kind of like settling down with a cup of coffee and going into Hogwarts and, you know, reading a book and the rain's dropping. And, you know, this is just all all online. But being able to create that sort of feeling in real life is actually super, super interesting. And we've been seeing designers starting to design things online. This could be with Animal Crossing. 
This could be somebody like Andreas Reisinger, who created the most amazing chairs and seats that were so tactile that you got the impression you could reach out and touch them. And uh, lots of, you know, uh, creators of furniture decided that they wanted to work with people like that, taking these renders into something very, very physical. And so Moy, for example, for example, in Nilufar Gallery, they approached Andreas Reisinger and said, listen, we would like to actually make that chair and we'd like to make it exist in real life. So there was a chair with Moy that he did, but it was called a Hortensia chair that looks like it's absolutely blooming and the tactility is absolutely amazing. And then there were other, other chairs too that were more squishy that he did at the Nilofar Gallery. So we're really seeing this flip-flopping back and forth between digital and IRL. And so things are you know, curvy, they're puffy, they're rounded. And one of the things that launched at, um, at Milan you know, this, this, this last year in September was Mar Sabine Marcellis for um, HEM. She created this poof that looks exactly like a digital donut. And even when you're in the room with it, it's knitted so well that you have to reach out and to make sure that it's real. So we're really seeing this tactility um, just go back and forth between digital and IRL. I love that kind of, it's playing with our senses, right? And when you do stare, stare at a screen, and like we were talking about how much we stared at screens pre-pandemic, but it has been, you know, just amplified multiple, multiple times. It is important. You kind of need to make your eyes work. You need to make your senses work to remind yourself there's that physical world out there. So I think it's really interesting how designers are kind of tackling this topic. Yeah, getting back to what you were talking about earlier, actually, you and Andrea, because I'm going to get on in the metaverse thing as well, too. Um, and I know one of our trends also for 2021 is about the physical metaverse and that whole idea of um, all the amazing things that could happen in the metaverse to people. They'll want those in real life as well, too. So taking those digital experiences and bringing them in real life is going to be super exciting from a from a brand and a, and a retail point of view. Best of both worlds, right? That's what consumers are demanding. We're greedy folk and we, we like to have our cake and eat it. And that's going to be the challenge that brands and businesses really need to tackle. Now, there are, there are kind of some overarching themes which are powering some of the uh, trends that we've identified. Sustainability is definitely one of those. Um, you know, it runs through everything we do. We feel a real responsibility that we're helping shape a more positive future for, you know, the environment we live in and our world through the industries that we work with. Um, and there are a couple in there which really stood out for me, one of which is waterless washing. Now, this is, it's, it's very beauty focused, but it's also into that kind of personal care and that home space as well. You know, the idea of, you know, the shampoo bar, that's quite normalized now. Lots of big beauty brands offer that, but this is taking it a big step further. Lisa, can you give us a bit more information about this, this concept of waterless washing? Well, the waterless washing that kind of started as well too, with things like um, the, the dry shampoos that we were working with also during the pandemic when nobody be bothered to actually take a shower every day. But then realizing that, um, you know, working with uh, types of ways of getting yourself clean, the pits and the bits, as Clara Varga points out, is actually a really smart way of making sure that you're not using water to wash your entire body when you actually don't need it. And um, I think it ties in really, really well with some of the consumer tech things that we're talking about as well, which are wearable temperature control e-textiles, which means that instead of you know, heating or air conditioning an entire room or home, you only have to take care of the space around you. 
So you only have to like maybe heat yourself up with a sweater that has a special sort of, you know, e-yarn in it. Um, so you're warm. Uh, maybe the person next to you has a sort of different, uh, you know, um, body type would like to be warmer or cooler. And everybody has their sort of perfect temperature. And the actual space that you're living in is something that doesn't have to be heated up to an incredible amount of uh, uh, degrees like we are right now. I think it's really important to say on this front that the consumers are kind of ahead of the curve, actually. I was looking at um, some search data around Black Friday and you could imagine people are searching for, you know, big discounts. Maybe they're looking for early Christmas presents or maybe they're looking for kind of self-gifting at this time. Something which was peaking around that time was heated jackets, heated mittens and people trying to use that time in some, you know, in some countries, in some hemispheres, it was particularly cold at that period, not everywhere in the world, obviously, but people thinking about how could they make their personal environment really warm and that at a very basic level. But but consumers are asking, they're, they, they're demanding this right now, they want it for them, but it's good for the environment as well. And that's always that kind of sweet spot that we're, that we're looking into. So continuing on that, you know, I've just kind of segued us neatly into fashion, bast fibres are a really key trend for 2022. Uh, And some of these aren't new. Linen falls under that umbrella term, bast fibres. This is not new. People have been wearing linen for, you know, decades and decades. But it's something that we think, if you're in the fashion industry, actually, if you're in interiors as well, this is something you should be looking into. It's highly sustainable. It pays back to the the land that it's uh, cultivated on. Um, And it's really good for, for personal temperature control. So, you know, these trends are not necessarily about high innovation they're looking for kind of natural solutions as well so uh, you nodded Lisa (laughs) listeners can't hear that but you're nodding frantically when I mentioned interiors how does bast fibers fit into that world well it's getting back to the thing that you were discussing earlier about tactility is we really want that linen that hemp that jute really interesting it could be in a you know a sofa or it could be in a sweater or it could be in a a carpet and what's really fascinating about um, these tactile fibers is they're so much better for the planet You know, it's all that, you know, the fibrous layers that are inside of all of these sort of um, plants. And, you know, they're good cover crops. They enhance biodiversity. Um, They draw CO2 into the soil, which is really important too. What I love as well, too, from a materials perspective, not just for interiors, but also for something like um, tech, is the residue, the leftovers, can actually be turned into bioplastics for suitcases, for phone cases, and that kind of thing. And my personal favorite is hempcrete. It's this gorgeous, gorgeous concrete that is not made out of concrete because that is not great for sustainability, but is made out of hemp. And it's very beautiful. And it's something um, that is actually, uh, you know, uh, sinking carbon rather than um, producing it. Okay, a very neat segue also into uh, that kind of point about an appreciation of the outdoors and nature and how that feeds through as well. So if you uh, get hold of our Top Trends report, the first trend on there is indoor trees and I personally love this one as a plant parent myself sometimes more successfully than others talk to to us about indoor trees is this the graduation now for everyone who spent their lockdowns cultivating cacti and succulents uh, on their bathroom shelves we're turning it up a notch and you've got to have a full-on tree in your house in 2022 is this correct exactly that is like the embodiment of hope (laughs) especially for people including myself who can kill plants as well too yes i can make that olive tree grow in my bathroom but what i think is really interesting is you know obviously it's taking that plant parenting and biophilic design to the next level but it's also putting people in touch with nature on a very daily basis 
And we're really seeing what we're calling the Planthropocene. It's a term coined by Natasha Myers. And it's really about the intertwined relationship between plants and people. And by growing a plant, or especially a tree indoors, you start thinking about forests. You start thinking about um, nature that's larger than life, that's larger than you. And I think that between that and the total like hope and confidence that you could actually sustain that plant in the future, I think that's pretty, you know, pretty a pretty good message for 2022. Yeah, I think there's also that kind of appreciation. We've always seen this, those trends which maybe start in restaurants or hotels, maybe hotels we haven't managed to visit, but that we're seeing online. And you know, there has been this trend for these kind of larger than life kind of interiors installations and those big trees. And now people are seeing, OK, I might not be able to have one which is six foot tall, but I can have a smaller tree. And as you said, there's a, there's something that feels more raw with that than a kind of highly cultivated uh, houseplant. That's an appreciation about nature, but there is also this kind of person-to-person appreciation as well. And we are always glass half full people at WGSN and kind of looking for those positives and hasn't always been positive on that front uh, over the past couple of years. But we are seeing a kind of coming together of people and an appreciation of other cultures. And there's some kind of specific trends that that are born out of that. Andre, I'm going to come to you. Some of those are in the kind of food and drink space, which I think are, are great. But there's some others as well that's, that's, that's hopefully going to be celebrating and kind of paying homage to other people's cultures and how we can enjoy them ourselves. I mean, and, and, and one that we're also tracking too that ties into earlier is the temperature controlled clothes, which is really fascinating. It's not necessarily cultural, but in some focus groups we've been running, everyone's kind of challenging, you know, post-pandemic doing multi-generational lifestyles. So we had a few people said, I'm interested in temperature control because my roommates are always cold and I'm always hot. Or one that I thought was really sweet and kind of gave me that, you know, cheesy California sigh was parents said there, I was living with my grandparents. My grandparents are always cold. So we're, we're looking at different temperature control. So when we think again of these shared cultural moments, it also has to do with breaking down those, you know, different age stereotypes or living, or if you're me, maybe you're always cold and your partner's always hot. There we go. A solution. Temperature control is also ending marital fights. Um, <laughs> but, but I think one that's has been really the most impactful, and it is a bit of an evolution from our trends last year for genuine influencers, is really this filterless social media. And I think there's a misnomer that it's only truly about showing that you have, you know, maybe some pimples or acne or things that, you know, the beauty team recognized, you know, three or four years ago is that shift is changing. And it's truly about, is it different accents? Is it different dialogues? Um, is it different ways that we're showing we're using social media? If you look at, at TikTok and Instagram, there's so many more ASL sign language TikToks that are rising. And I think that's really important because as we know, language is the great equalizer wherever you are and digital language is so important with that. And it's it's really tying into how do we speak to one, each, one another? How do we have these moments of connectedness if we're all aligned in a digital space and again, bringing that into our daily lives. So as we're tracking filterless social media, brands are getting in on it and it'll be interesting right now in terms of sales and is it driving conversions? The one that I think everyone should kind of take away from this podcast is what Lush is doing with the anti-global social media policy. And I don't know if you guys saw the big announcement, but for our listeners, they basically wiped themselves off social media. And they said, we are truly committing to having one-on-one conversations with our shoppers, with our consumers. Will it work? Well, head back to us next year and we'll do a follow-up of what were their sales like this year. But I think it's a huge statement. Well, I think what's really interesting about that is they've also spoken about the fact they know it's going to 
you know, affect their bottom line and they're absolutely okay with that. There are certain platforms that they will continue with and they've talked about, you know, having the videos and things like that still be accessible. But yes, it, it really, I guess it's taking that trend and and putting their money where their mouth is that they're going to act on it. And um, I was lucky enough to spend some time with the founder of Lush many years ago and I think he's a very inspirational individual and I think where where they go, many others will will certainly consider following. But yeah, let's, let's see how it bears out in the results. So um, part of this and certainly fueled by it are a couple of trends that in certain parts of the world you are going to say are not new at all uh, and one of those is the Chinese spirit Baijiu which uh, it outsells most western spirits even today but what we're seeing is something that is huge in China always has been it's not an on-trend alcoholic drink it is it is what it is um, is now being kind of uh, taken uh, and utilised in kind of hipster bars around the world and high-end restaurants. And we're certainly seeing some of those kind of borrowing from other cultures in that food and drink space. I kind of love this one as a consequence. It kind of feels to me maybe it's kind of the world coming together in a really nice way and seeing something that's been appreciated and enjoyed by certain uh, countries and then the rest of the world saying we'd love to get in on the act. So any thoughts on that? Are you going to be consuming Baijiu in the future? Is that going to be your kind of tipple as you go into 2022? I'll try any cocktail once. And quite frankly, what I love about cocktails and drinks like that too is they are really cultural communi- communicators. And we've seen how different cocktails have traveled around the, the world during um, lockdown. Before lockdown, gin has been so big for such a long time. And I'm really excited now that um, Baijiu is actually going to be um, more well-known outside of Asia because, you know, as you said, it's the number one drink in the world. And if you take a look at all the innovation that's come with gin drinks and the beautiful bottles and the packaging, I think we're going to be seeing some really exciting um, innovations, not just in the way things taste and different um, uh, ingredients that will be mixed in with the Baijiu, but also the, um, the graphics and the packaging will be really exciting. So we're coming to the end of our time today. So I'm going to put you both on the spot and you've got to pick your, I'm going to go with favourite trend. So let's, I'll tell you what, let's do a favourite trend each and let's do one which you think is going to have the biggest business impact. So the one that you will be testing yourself or that you believe in most, but then the one that you think that our listeners should be really considering seriously uh, as they're looking to have a successful 2022. Uh, Andre, I'm going to go to you first because you're at the top of my screen as I'm looking at you right now. You knew why, guys. You knew I was going to do it. My favorite one is spiritual coaching. It's a Southern Californian girl in me. I think it's really fascinating to look at personal coaching in a different way and just the booming business that it's it's driving. There's a mental health aspect. There's a physical aspect. And I think no matter what age you are, 2020 and 2021 kind of gave us that that need to reflect and unwind. So I would say spiritual coaching, definitely top of mind. The one that I think every single company should be solving for or figuring out how to strategically partner with is direct to avatar economy. Um, there's so much in there, whether it's from the digital goods market that is continually growing to also just being able to test very quickly what products you should be investing in and skew counts to, to Lisa's great comment earlier about the chair that was created in metaverse and then it was created in a physical aspect. So if you if you think that the direct to avatar is just a, a Sims 2.0, um, I would say it would be definite misnomer and to look at what, what your strategy is for 2022 and, and how to grow it. 
Okay, Lisa, your turn. Okay, mine are kind of related, actually. Um, one of the things that I'm really, really excited about is that fermented beauty. And as they're saying in the beauty department, kombucha for the skin. Because I always think that so many um, things uh, come through food and drink. And the whole idea that people are you know, eating and drinking more fermented things, and now that's coming into the beauty sphere, is really, really important. And it's taking a look at good bacteria. And you know, we've been pushing aside bacteria for so long, you know, antiviral, antibacterial, to the point, you know, that we've actually gotten rid of a lot of beneficial bacteria. And it acts as a natural preservative, which is great for food and drink, and it's great for beauty. Um, we're seeing bacteria in different types of dyeing as well, too, like Faber Futures, you know, is dyeing clothing using bacteria. In architecture, we're using E. coli as a building material. So I think that whole bacterial and, uh, and uh, fermented space is really, really interesting. And that kind of goes to with my, the one that I think is going to be really important as well, too, which is koji um, in the food and drink sphere, which is that fermented fungus. And like baiju, it's something that we've actually been eating and just didn't even know about it. You know, you can, um, you know, find koji in, for example, miso. And lots of people love miso soup all over the world. So, and it, it, it's interesting, too, because we've been tasting it and using it. And, you know, it's got that umami flavor, but we're finally going to recognize it. And as you know, with our, we were drawing out and illustrating our key trends. It was really hard to draw koji. It's just been this kind of secret ingredient in things, too. And I love the fact, too, that it ties back to one of our key trends from last year, which was um, mycelium. And uh, we really saw mycelium scale this year to the point where Milo is now going to be launching very, very soon some fantastic Stan Smiths in Milo mycelium leather. So that whole fermented bacterial uh, fungal thing is obviously going to be my favorite. It's a little out there, but I think it's really going to happen. Amazing. Okay, so I'll, I'll wrap things up. My favorite trend on this list are flying taxis. So I love the idea that this might be coming to the masses in the not too distant future. A way to get me from A to B super fast. Um, 2021 has been the year when I've finally gone into the electric car space. We've got ourselves an electric car, which I'm absolutely loving. I'm, I'm dealing with the anxiety about how you get from A to B and making sure we plan all our stops. But uh, so I've joined that bandwagon and I'm very happy to get on the flying taxi, taxi one as and when that appears in this country. Um, but I think the trend for me, which I think all businesses should be considering, is actually our colour of the year. So every year we work with our sister company, Coloro, uh, and forecast a whole colour palette for um, multiple different industries. But there's always one key colour which we think will be impactful across every industry that we're talking to. Uh, and Orchid Flower is that colour for 2022. It's this amazing, intense magenta colour, and it kind of captures that appetite for joy and positivity, which we're really seeing. Um, and we know the percentage in terms of consumers considering and making a final decision about buying a product it 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 almost all comes down to color so whether you're thinking about clothing whether you're thinking about interiors whether you're thinking about tech whether you're thinking about the packaging for food and drink uh, or beauty products or the actual lipsticks and eyeshadows i think orchid flower is going to be key so go and search that after this podcast and kind of immerse yourself in that beautiful uh, uplifting magenta color which uh, we're loving so much here at wgsm color at the moment Thank you so much to Lisa and Andrea for joining me on this final podcast of 2021. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard any time this year, then please subscribe to the show, which is available on all major podcast platforms. And if you really like what you heard, then please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us get the word out there. 
If you're interested in what we've been talking about today, then please head over to WGSN.com where you can find out how you can access all our insight and analysis. So thank you again to my guests. And I'd also like to thank our podcast producers, Bethan Ryder and Roland Bodenham. And again, thank you all for listening. Until next year, stay well and healthy, and I'll see you next time. Yeah.